Thank you for joining Holy Spirit Living, the podcast that encourages and equips believers to live each moment intentionally to bring glory to God and build His kingdom. Hey everybody, we're back and we're here today to talk about building healthy relationships. Yes, my favorite topic. Relationship is very important and I'm glad we're on that subject. Relationship's the most important. God created us for relationship for Absolutely. him. And also relationship with one another. Yes. Do you and, have something you want to start us out in? In Genesis one twenty six, it said, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creepy thing that creeps on earth. And you know, if you think about it, God didn't give man the earth as a possession. He gave it as dominion. And to have that, you end up getting a relationship with God to possess the dominion over it. Yeah. Psalms 24 one says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof the world, and they that dwell therein. God's the possessor of earth. Yeah. And then he went ahead and he created Adam and gave him dominion over it. Gave us the dominion over the earth because of his love for us, because of the relationships he wants to have with us. Right. Yeah, I think it's neat to think about how he walked with Adam, or Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. Like when they were in the garden, him and God walked together in relationship. That relationship was beautiful. He had time one-on-one with God, and then that was severed by the enemy when sin came in. Amen. It's also a reminder that that's what the enemy is out for, is to break relationships, whereas God is the creator of relationships. Yes, absolutely. The perfect setting was God in the garden with Adam Adam and Eve. Obviously, the serpent came in and divided that relationship, and I believe that that happens today. The enemy comes in, somebody allows him to come in, and the serpent sneaks in and whispers and causes offense and causes division. It's important for us to have that relationship with God, but God also created us to have relationship with each other. You know that? And I think that when we don't have a healthy, godly relationship with each other, we don't do the kingdom any justice. Right. We don't. It's important to remember that God created those relationships. He calls us into covenant relationships. A covenant is something you just don't give up on, but you really invest in that relationship. And through that, he's wanting to show us the level of commitment and devotion that we should have, not only with him, but with one another, especially in the body of Christ. You know, we're called to be brothers and sisters. I want to be very open and honest on this topic because I think this is a lot of what we see in today's churches is that a lot of people have built walls to protect themselves. So when they're in a church situation or a church family, they walk around very superficial. Yes. A lot of times wearing a mask, and I'm not talking about a COVID face mask. I'm talking about, you know, symbolically wearing a mask, trying to look or come across as someone else. Right. Like they're important or, you know, just they don't want to let their guard down. They don't want people to see who they really are because they're afraid that if somebody sees who they are, that they won't be loved Mm -hmm. or accepted. 
I think that there's a lot of brokenness in church relationships because of that fact. Right. There's a lot of people walking around with hurts and failures and faults and flaws, and they don't want to get into an intimate relationship with other believers. They want to come in on Sunday, do their time, and leave, but not build relationships. But when we look at the early church, it was all about relationship. I mean, Jesus built life with the disciples. They were a family. They spent time together. They were together eating and learning and teaching. And I'm sure they were having fun going to weddings together, going to different places, traveling together. They were a family. Yes. And we see we see that relationship Adam lost with God. We see that restored in Jesus with the disciples. Right. That there was this closeness, there was this connection. And he calls us to have that relationship. But again, you know, being authentic, it requires courage and it requires humility. Yes. And it means that we have to be able to face the fears that we have and know that we might, in doing that, when we open ourselves up, that we could be subject to rejection. We're taking a risk. We might get hurt again. But it's important that we're able to tear down those walls right. and move past the previous hurts. I think offense can keep us locked in from building healthy relationships. Yep. Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And right at the beginning in Genesis 2, that second chapter of Genesis, he's saying, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make him a helper. I'm going to make him other relationships. There was a, a biker, and he came up to me one time, and he says, Joe, what do you think this is all about? I figured he was talking about the religion or the church or something like that. And I asked him, I said, what do you mean? He said, what do you think this church stuff's all about? I told him, I said, I think it's about relationship." I said, think about it. It's it's our relationship with God, and it's our relationship with each other. You know, he tells us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So he's telling us, I mean, he sums up all the commandments in two commandments, right? To love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, my relationship with God. And then others like that, to love your neighbor as you love yourself, a relationship between people. And I think, wow, that's pretty amazing. And then I go back, and I have a book called Built to Last. And I happened to be in like the second chapter, and there was a part in there, like I opened it up, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. They don't realize the importance of it. The sentence before it said, why don't some people make an effort to establish and maintain relationships? And then I double underlined while I was reading a book, they don't realize the importance of it. And it's important. It's so important for us to do that, to create relationships, to maintain them. Where there's three, a cord of three strands is not easily tore apart, not easily destroyed. It says, woe to the man that falls and doesn't have somebody there to pick him up. Or just throughout the word of God, we see relationship, relationship, relationship. Just like you said in the book of Acts, you know, there was a point there that the church should be today. It's where they all took and sold everything and divided amongst themselves and took care of one another. And I think that we see that in other countries We don't see it here, but we see it in other countries. A community of people would have supper, a potluck, so the people that was in the community that didn't have food would actually be able to eat at least once a day. That don't happen here. You know, occasionally we'll have little um, cookouts or something like that, but it's not a matter of is my neighbor eating or not. 
Right. It's really important, like you said, the commandments and how that's broken down, that all of the commandments go back to relationship. Yes. They're either our relationship with God or they're our relationship with one another. Yeah. And so God has always been pointing us toward the importance of relationship. Absolutely. First John 1, verse 7, But if we really walk in the light, that is, live each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God, as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another, he with us and we with him. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin by erasing the stain of sin, keeping us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. I like that it says that if we walk in the light, if we really walk in the light and we're conformed with the precepts of God, as he himself is in the light, then we're going to have true unbroken fellowship with one another. True unbroken fellowship if we're walking in God, if we're following in God's ways. I have to be honest, I am very sickened and disheartened by a lot of the church lately. And I'm not pointing fingers. I mean, I think we have to take responsibility as a whole because we are one body. So many of the church is walking with a very jealous spirit right now. Yeah. I mean, like toward one another. And I, we're even the church. So Right. right. That's what I'm saying, that I'm talking mm-hmm. about. The individually, church. Mm, individually, the church. and corporate. and corporately, we're yeah. the body of Christ, and there's so many in the body that is walking in jealousy. Right, it's just it's really disheartening, and it's sad when people that are not in Christ mm-hmm. are walking with more integrity right. to uplift and encourage one another than what the actual church is. Right, each one of us is called to share the gospel. We're all commissioned and commanded to go and share the gospel. So when there's other ministries out there going and doing, we should be so thrilled that they're doing instead of going the opposite way of God. Yes. You know, we're supposed to love one another. Right. And that's how that they will know that we are his disciples is because we love one another. Yet in the body of Christ, in the church, we are seeing so many people that are being anything but loving to one another. Right. We're in this day and age where it's people against people. Yeah. There's been a line of division drawn even between races right. and political views and vaccinated and unvaccinated views and just all these different things. Right. And it's like God created each one of us unique and different. If we were all exactly the same, it would be very boring. Right. I heard a testimony from Francis Chan that said that there was a guy that came in from a gang. They came into his church, and um, he came up, accepted Christ, got baptized. And then Francis Chan said, then we didn't see him for a long time. He said, then I ran into him at a grocery store. And he said, hey, brother, how are you doing? He says, I haven't seen you in a while, since probably since you got baptized. And he said, yeah, he said, I left the gang, and I came into the church hoping to find a family. And he said, after I got baptized, there was just nothing there. And um, and I felt more love back at the back with my gang, so I went back to my gang. And Francis Chan said, ain't that messed up? Isn't that messed up that we, as a church that's supposed to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, is not loving more than a, a gang affiliation? Could you imagine if we 
was able to maintain a healthy relationship, godly relationships, could you imagine what kind of work we could do, be doing for the kingdom? It would be explosive. I mean, you think about the book of Acts and how you said you have all these apostles, you got these disciples following Christ, and they're different. You got Matthew, a tax collector, you got Luke, a doctor, you got James, a fisher. You know, they're all different backgrounds, but yet they're coming in unity. And what happened when Jesus told them to go back and wait, and the power of the Holy Spirit will come on you? Man, they said it came in like a whirlwind. They came to that upper room because they were there and they were in one accord and they were praying to God in unity. And it's not until unity that we see the manifestation of God really happen. And I believe that's what he's waiting for right now, for the church to get united. Yeah. Um, he came when they were in the upper room in unity. The second coming, I wonder, is he waiting for the church to come in unity and with their relationships? Right. I think you're you're right on target there. The very people that should be supporting and encouraging one another, for the most part, are coming against one another. Now, that's not every church and every ministry, but it's a lot. And I think that no matter where you go, nobody can say that that's just in your community there. No, it is all over. It's not even just in the United States. It's in other countries. Yes. And there's such a division that has come against the church. That is the enemy trying to separate, just like he's doing in in the world with other things, with race, with politics, like I said. And unfortunately, a lot of people are allowing him to do that because they're allowing jealousy to come in. And jealousy is such a divider. At the end of the day, we all have the same spirit that lives in us if we're in Christ, So what are we jealous of? Are we jealous of the Jesus and somebody else? Well, if we're walking in him, he's in us the same as he's in our brother and sister. I think about when Mary came in and seen Elizabeth, and she was pregnant with Jesus, and Elizabeth was pregnant with John. John leapt in her stomach. Yeah, And I feel like that if we're walking in true humility— and walking in the Spirit, then when another believer enters the room, our spirit should be leaping within us with excitement Yes, at that brother or sister in Christ. We should be leaping with excitement to see to see Jesus in them, Absolutely. to see Jesus in one another. You know, I wanted to look up that Acts scripture. It's Acts chapter 2, 41 through 47. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonder and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad, sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those were being saved. Could you imagine that? Through the apostles' strong relationship with God first and then with each other, they were added daily numbers to the body of Christ. Yeah. Wow. If we were walking in that kind of unity with one another, if we were walking in that as a body, all of the church, if we were doing that, we would be such a light 
yes, for other people to be drawn to. But right now, if somebody from the outside is looking in, they see a lot of disconnect between Christians. They see a lot of people saying, mm, I don't know, if that's the way Christians act, I don't want to be one. If they can't even get along with each other, I don't want any of that. Right. We come to the cross, we get saved, but we want to carry all the junk with mm. us mm-hmm. and not cross into walking in authority. Right. A lot of times those past offenses, those past hurts can be something that we carry into our relationships that damage it, even with one another. Maybe we've been hurt. Maybe we have anxieties and fears of rejection. And so with that, then we cut ourselves off from one another because we're afraid. When they stop walking close with God, then the first thing that happens is the neglecting of their relationships with each other. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. We have to get to a place where we can tear down those walls and be transparent and honest with one another. And we got to throw those masks out. Come on, church. People in the church need to throw out their masks that they're hiding behind. No more fake, pretentious attitudes. Let's get real. Let's take the gloves off. Let's take off the masks. Let's get raw. Let's get real. Let's get naked spiritually, being vulnerable. Let's get to the point where we can be ourselves. We can be truthful. We can get down to the nitty gritty and talk about real issues and real things that's happening without fear of somebody pointing the finger, right. but coming together in compassion to not enable, but in compassion to say, brother, I know what you're going through. You're going to get through this and be able to encourage and uplift. Amen. That's what the devil wants. He wants to destroy relationships in the church. If he can destroy relationships in the church, he can rob people of the redemptive benefits. Think about that. The redemptive benefits that they have through Christ. They can rob people of their relationships by just isolating them a little more. It's kind of like the wolf and and the the shepherd, right? right? I mean, if you have all the sheep together, the wolf is less likely to be able to separate. But once he can get a sheep to the side by himself, he can start to destroy them. And it's the same way that relationships happen with us. You build within a church, right? And you offer a defense system. You're there to hold each other up, just like what you were saying. You're there to say, hey, brother, I understand what you're going through. The enemy would love for us to so much come in and isolate a person or push them in a position where they want to be isolated. It makes me think of uh, Elisha. I got some scripture from Old Testament. 2 Kings 6.15. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha asked. You see, the, the servant, he didn't cease to be afraid when Elisha had a relationship and said, Don't be afraid. He had a relationship, so he's saying, Hey, don't be afraid, and he's trusting that relationship. If a relationship comes in and starts talking negative and puts you in another direction, better run, right? This don't look good. But that relationship that he had established, he trusted it. He told him, don't be afraid. 
Right. He had trust for what Elisha was telling him for the things he couldn't see. He trusted that Elisha knew what he was seeing, and that came from building a relationship. You can't have trust without a relationship with someone. Amen. You have to build that. You can only build that if you're being authentic. Yes. Because nobody's going to buy the baloney. Let's, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're being pretentious, if you're being fake, people can see right through it. It doesn't matter how many people you're trying to fool. You might be fooling yourself. But at the end of the day, people are going to see through it and they're not going to trust you. Right. If you can just be raw and real and be open to share, that's how you build trust. That's how you build a relationship. Amen. And that's what happened here with Elisha. We see it in that verse. Now comes a time when trust was needed for the things that he couldn't see. Yeah. He's telling his servant, look around. There's a whole multitude of an army here with us. And at that point, his servant had trust in Elisha enough to know he's telling me the truth. He wouldn't just be saying this. And he trusted him for the things he couldn't see. If we as a body of believers, as as a family in Christ, could trust one another for the things we can't see. But the only way that's going to happen is building a true relationship, a foundation that's built on truth and authenticity. Nothing that's fake or pretentious. We got to get rid of that in the church. Jealousy cannot be in there. Hatred and bitterness cannot be in there. All the offenses that we've carried from past hurts and church hurts and all that. I hear people say, I've been church hurt. and You know, no, get over yourself. Amen. And I'm not saying that to be mean to anyone. I'm saying that because that's what compassion is. Compassion says, you know what? You're too good to sit in that offense. Yeah. And I don't want to see you in it anymore. So you need to hear the truth because the truth will set you free from that. Yes. And it's time to give that hurt and that offense over to the Lord. Let him take it off of your plate. Let him help help you through this healing process that needs to take place in your spirit. Because somewhere you've believed a lie and now you need the truth revealed to you. Yeah. And that's how you're going to get better. But we cannot walk in a fence and walk in relationship with one another and build healthy relationships, we got to get rid of it. Right. We got to dump that out. That's that's what Satan puts on the mouse trap. He puts offense on there. He's like I'm going to I'm going to put something that's going to make you offended that you get snared in this trap while the rest of the people continue to walk forward. You're going to be stuck back here by yourself so I can devour you. All the enemy's doing is he's looking like a roaring lion ready to pounce and devour and destroy people. The best way he could do it is if he gets you offended and gets you isolated. What happens is somebody gets offended and they leave the church. They were mean, just like you were saying, I'm church hurt. Oh, they were mean to me. They didn't acknowledge me. They didn't pat me on my back. They didn't give me affirmation, you know, without understanding that maybe something else was happening and they didn't see what was what else was happening. They didn't see what was going on behind closed doors that, made it where they couldn't acknowledge what they wanted. And then the enemy comes in and starts to throw some bait down. Hey, you know what? Why do you need these guys? Just leave. And then you go home, you isolate yourself, you become depressed, and you get destroyed. Right. And what happens with that whole process is the fact that we are looking to somebody else to do what only God can do. Amen. And when we're looking for each other to fulfill everything in our life, 
when that place is reserved for God, then we're going to fail one another. I'm going to love you the best way that I can love you. But at the end of the day, and I'm going to do my best, but I may fall short of that. Yeah. And if you're expecting your happiness to be placed on whether or not I fulfill something in your life, then you're never going to walk in happiness. You're never going to walk in freedom if it's based on what I do or don't do. That's a prison. You have to be able to walk in contentment in God regardless of the circumstances. So that's what true freedom is. If I can walk in joy and I don't need you to do something for me to feel joyful, but I'm going to feel joy because I know who my daddy is yeah, and I know who I am, then that makes a whole world of difference. And it's hard to be offended when you walk in that kind of freedom. That's what walking in the Spirit, that's what Holy Spirit living is. Right. It's that freedom to walk in the truth of who you are and that you're not reliant on people to do or be something for you in order to have that because God has already been everything. Amen. And if you don't see that, then you're just walking around in this illusion, a false illusion, what appears to be, but you don't really know reality in the kingdom. Right, right. And that's a sad place to be. You know, when we sit here and we think about the unity of of the different parts of the body, the, the different churches, I'm involved in Kairos, and it's one of the best ministries that I've ever seen where the body of Christ comes together. And we're going into a prison to share the love of Jesus. You know, love, love, listen, listen. That's their philosophy. And it's not going in there and trying to get somebody to your church because guess what? They can't leave the prison. They're not coming to your church that week. Right. You know, it's like, I'm going to go in there as the body of Christ, do what we're supposed to do. And we're just going to love on these guys. And hopefully they're going to accept Christ. And they're going to become free inside of a place where they've been in physically incarcerated. Yeah. Most people walk in the fact of the gospel message to them is how many people can I recruit and in my church service on Sunday? When really sharing the gospel is meeting people where they're at and giving them an encounter with Christ right there. Amen. Letting them see the Father through us, experience Him, and receive Him. And that can happen on a street corner. That could happen in a public square. That can happen even in a bar. So that's beautiful. Many in the body of Christ walk in a very false image. Look at Facebook. Everybody Mm. puts pictures out there to make themselves look like they're just the happiest family in the world. And life is great. And look at all my selfies of me and my family. And And look at our foodie pictures and look at all this stuff that's great. And it's wonderful to share experiences, but social media has made it to where that it's exploded that that whole pretentious attitude, that false image has exploded. It's even bigger than what it used to be. It's blown up in a huge way. But there's so many people that's longing for personal relationship. Like they feel so alone, but they'll have a million pictures on Facebook and making it look like their life's perfect, but they're thirsty for relationship. They're parched for relationship. They want intimacy, but then they're scared of it. So they get in these places, they walk into these churches and they feel like they have to show that they're worthy of love. 
They have to demonstrate that with something. I want to show you that I'm fun. I want to show you that I'm this. I want to show you that I'm spiritual. I want to show you that I am a perfect mom or a perfect dad or a perfect husband or a perfect wife. I want to show you that I'm this great friend. I want to show you that it's all about showing, 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 and there's not a whole lot of truth. People walking around in this false imprisonment. Yeah. And I hear about people saying, you know, and I hate to even bring this up, but it is the truth and it is reality of what's going on in the world, even in the church, that people are taking their own lives. And then later people say they seemed so happy. Right. But it's because of that false image that they're trying to keep up. Right. Because they feel like in order to be accepted by society, they can't be who they are. They cannot be true. They cannot be real. They have to be this fake image in order to be received and accepted. And there's a problem. It's a problem with the church as a whole. Those that are sons and daughters walking in authentic sonship, that are walking in that with the Father, need to tear down the walls of the plastic church. Right. And if we can tear down the walls of the plastic church, the Barbie doll churches, and begin to say, church is not this beautiful plastic mansion of a place. It is the whole gospel message is beautiful, but it includes getting down in the mud and the dirt. It's not the picture of this perfect image that people have made it to be on Facebook and social media. Ministry is dirty work. Ministry is getting out there in the dirt, rolling up your sleeves, and pulling people from a place of bottomless, hopeless pits and prisons and places like that into a relationship with God and bringing them into the light. It's not fake. It's real. And we can't do that. We can't bring people from that dark place into an encounter and relationship with Jesus that's true and genuine if we can't even be true and genuine with one another. Amen. You know, Paul writes in Ephesians, kind of really gives an, uh, a stamp on the importance of the body of Christ and, and the inner working of the relationships in the body. It's Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. It says, And it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, obviously the fivefold ministry, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Wow until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and be cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful schemes. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You think about that. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, it takes love to grow. And I love that, uh, that each is growing up in love like that. and helping each other. The moment we begin to understand how much God loves us, then 
we realize that's where growth can begin to happen because we begin to understand who we are. That's when our identity is realized. And once we we understand who we are, we don't have to prove ourselves to anyone else anymore. Right. We don't have to. God already knows who we are. We don't even have to try to prove to him who we are. He created us in our mother's womb. Right. All we have to do is just walk in him. We won't worry about spending the rest of our life trying to impress people. Right. Because we already know that we're loved. And so our identity and our self-worth, it shouldn't be caught up in what others might think of us. When we have that secure relationship with Christ, we no longer walk under this pressure of meeting other people's expectations. We don't have to be jealous of brother or sister down the street doing this or that ministry and this one over here doing this or that. If we're walking in that we're trying to prove to God or other people that we're just as good. And that means we're not walking in our true identity. It's an identity issue. Right. And we, we need that stripped off. And it's everybody that is in the body of Christ. We can't even point fingers and say it's that person's fault. It's this person's fault that the church is like this. It's everybody's responsibility. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. That means we have to take responsibility together. But it's going to take those who are true warriors of the faith, those that are called to the trenches, those apostles that are called to go and lead the way, that are going to change the culture of the church to get it back to where it needs to be, back to the day of the early church back to where all of that pretentiousness is stripped away. And we ha- the only way we can do that is to restore people to wholeness and healing so that they can see their identity in the Father and not in other things or other people or in a false self-image. Right. You know, people, instead of focusing on relationships and importance and, and the priority, making it a top priority, what they do is they substitute it with other things. You think about it. They, they make other things their top priority. And, you know, I'm going to go to church for an experience. I want to feel the spiritual part of it instead of the, the relational part of it. How many times, oh, I don't like the way they sing that music. or It's just too slow. Really, it's all about relationship with Christ. If you're going into a church for any other reason besides establishing a closer relationship with God and godly people, then you're going for the wrong reasons. Right, they're going to be entertained. Right. It's not about the relationship with God anymore. That's what I'm talking about. It's the Barbie churches. It's the, let me walk in and see if you can entertain me and you can do this or that to meet my needs so that I can go out here and feel happy about myself because I came in for a 30-minute service or an hour service one day a week to make myself feel better about being a Christian. Right. And that, that falseness has to be stripped away. Yeah, they make, they make it a top priority because they consider that if I go to church and make it my duty, I fulfilled my duties. That's the top priority. It's not the top priority of relationship. And relationships are so, so important. Right. We are called to go out and be in the world, not of it. That means we're spread out in different communities in the areas. We're still one family and one body though we should enjoy the time that we come together and spend as a body of believers in our local church each week and in doing that we should be able to minister to one another 
to get each other prepared to go out there and continue to take new territory for the kingdom through the week. Because Sunday is about rallying around one another. Yeah, there's going to be times that unbelievers come in, but the biggest chunk of unbelievers that we ever reach is out there, not inside. Right. Occasionally, there will be some that come in. They're in a desperate situation. They're reaching out because they need hope. Those will be the one-off situations, but the real, the real trenches is out there in the world, and we're called to do that. But Sunday, we come together. We encourage one another. We lift each other up and give each other fuel to get back out there and to continue and to persevere and run the race with endurance. We sharpen one another, and we build up one another. But it's important that when we do that, that we do it authentically. Right. We cannot be coming in fake and just being sympathetic because sympathy is sympathy's a counterfeit of compassion. Yeah. It enables Amen. people to continue to walk in falseness and hurt and in offense, but compassion is going to speak truth and love. That's Paul, right? Ephesians four fifteen. Instead speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. What about John thirteen thirty four? He says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Yes. There was an acronym of, of love, and it, it said that we should be loyal, the L, loyal to each other. We must offer, oh, offer help to each other. We must vocalize, appreciate each other, vocalize to each other. And we must encourage each other. Yeah. If we do those things while we are loving people, the relationships are going to get strong. The enemy's not going to be able to come in, and we're going to be able to do the work for the kingdom that we need to be doing. Everything that we do here on earth should be building up and glorifying the kingdom. Right. Absolutely. Relationships are so important. Yes, they are. I think that so many people don't realize that. Yeah. So we hope that you were blessed and encouraged today. We love you. God loves you. And there's nothing you could do about it. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast channel and like us on all of our social media pages at Holy Spirit Living. We encourage you to look for the gold in others today. Be blessed. But better yet, be a blessing.